to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. Good evening. Please open up your Bibles. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. We just finished with um, Paul going down with his friends to the river where he met Lydia last time and, another, and a group of women. And one of the things that's cool with this is, remember, there's no synagogues that were in Philippi. And it was a Roman colony. And Rome had chased out all the Jewish people from Rome. So to find any Jewish people in Philippi was unusual. But yet that's where God has led Paul through the Holy Spirit to go into Philippi in the region of Macedonia. Lydia was a woman who was uh, a very wealthy merchant. She was from... Thyatira, she was doing business in Philippi, but yet she took a day off, the Sabbath, to go down and worship and pray to God on a very good business day in Philippi, which tells you about the heart of this woman and the heart of the women that she was with. And from this meeting with Paul, a church is formed, a house church. As Paul continued to go throughout Philippi for almost a year preaching the gospel. So we're going to pick up on verse 16. And the title of tonight's message is Tea Bags. Yep, I said it. Tea Bags. So let's see where the tea bag goes in the water here. Verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Now, one of the things in that verse that we open up with is prayer. Notice Paul and Silas, along with Timothy and Luke, they're going to prayer. On their journey, as they travel, they're praying. I believe they're praying without ceasing. Just like you and I should do, no matter where we venture with God. We should always be praying. Because we don't know what's coming. We don't know what that next step will bring. We don't know what the, that day will bring. But God does. And we want to be in tune with Him and His Holy Spirit. And as we see here, there's a certain slave girl. And she's possessed with the spirit of divination. Now it's right after, or it's shortly after... Great prayer meeting down by the river. And isn't that the case? Don't you find that a lot of times after a spiritual high? That there's something or someone that tries to get you off course. You're heavenly minded, but boy, it doesn't take long to get back to the earth with a situation or trial or tribulation. Something that comes in your path. It says in Luke 21:36, "Watch therefore and pray, 
always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now that's in Luke and it's in chapter 21 and it's you know, talking about the end of the world, the end times. But this particular verse is talking about the rapture. That we should be always in prayer, not knowing if today God will take us all up. We don't know if today God will take one of us up as it's the end of our chapter on this earth. You know, we're temporarily passing through. The word divination comes from the Latin word, meaning to foresee or to be inspired by a God, a small g. To practice divination is to uncover hidden knowledge by supernatural means. It is associated with the occult and involves fortune-telling or soothsaying, as it used to be called. From ancient times, people have used divination to gain knowledge of the future or as a way to make money. The practice continues as those who claim supernatural insight read palms, tea leaves, tarot cards, star charts, Ouija boards, and more. So this is nothing new, is it? I mean, all those things I just named are things that are common in 2023 that's still going on, and I think it's growing even more. There's board games, not just the Ouija board, but there's board games that even Christian kids and teens and young adults are using. That's out there because there is a spirit of this world. There's a spirit of the Antichrist, isn't there? Do we follow the Holy Spirit or do we follow the spirit of the world? Or sometimes do we do both? And that's why it's important that God is always sanctifying us. 24-7, 365. If you're a believer, Jesus is constantly setting you apart to be more and more like him. And like Paul says in his letters, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that's really our goal, to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Because God knows the principalities and powers that are out there that are trying to take us down. You know, um, just what, a month ago, there was the whole thing with the, was it the Grammys, I guess? Was it the Grammy Awards? With all the satanic stuff on stage. There's a big convention up in Boston coming up. That's a satanic convention. Hundreds of thousands of people will be there or tuning in. You know, in the last eight years, I guess, or more, remember there was the witches praying for the political parties or against the political parties. When have you ever heard that? So the occult Satanism is showing its head more and more. And unfortunately, it's going all the way down into cartoons that kids watch. It's crazy. So it's important as grandparents, as parents, to train up your child in the way that they should go. Expose them to the scriptures, to Jesus' love. That they have something to weigh the world against. That it's not all just one way. That there is a way that leads to life. And that's important. Now notice in verse 16 that this girl who was possessed, was owned. You see that? Her masters. She made a lot of mo money for these guys. She was being used. 
And they didn't care anything about her, but they did care about the demon that was possessing her. In verse 17, this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. One of the translation in the Scriptures, it actually says she had the spirit of Pythona. And for most of us, it doesn't really mean too much. But Python is a type of a snake. It's used here because the python was associated with the god Apollo. And if we could put up that first map. We'll see the area that this pythonic god was worshipped. So, right up in here is where Paul and uh, Silas is. But if we come down this area here, I, Pastor Joe, I think I should have used your... Um, if you could just have somebody run that up to me. This one's blinking in and out. I think the Spirit's trying to interfere with this, not the right Spirit. So, um, Philippi, you're, you're used to some of these. Philippi, Berea, but all the way down here, Delphi. See it right here at the bottom? Right in this area is where the Greek mythology said Apollo came down and actually destroyed this serpent, this python. Well, this girl had the spirit of this python, this snake. But it's a demon. Thanks, Pastor. Had this snake. And we know that Satan took the form of a snake, form of a serpent, in the garden. His M.O. hasn't changed too much. There was a shrine in this area to um, the false gods in that area. And it's called Python Apollo, because Apollo, Apollo killed the snake in that region. They believe that this area in Delphi was the area that was the center of the earth. And there was a cave there. And there was an oracle there. There was a priestess that all the Mediterranean area would go to to hear her tell the future. She would go into the cave. She would come out babbling. And then she would speak in the language of the people that were there. Very interesting how Satan and his demonic army tries to impersonate 
God and His Holy Spirit. Because remember what happened at Pentecost. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 11, 14, it says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. You and I want to make sure that we're in tune with God's Holy Spirit and there's not a mixture of the world. Satan is always with his demonic team trying to influence the believers and those who keep their eyes on Jesus. That's you and me. That's why it's so important that we have in our mind and our heart God's Word. Because He prepares us for those things that are coming next that we don't know. He knows the future. Satan, demonic army, does not. But yet it's a billion dollar business where people want to know their future. Well, we have the Bible that tells of our future, those who reject Christ's future, the devil and his angels' future. It's all right here. And we thank God for the Bible. Now, in the verses 17, 18, notice that she was saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Not a way, but the way. And that Paul, for many days, even though he was greatly annoyed, didn't do anything. Well, one of the things is you study this whole region. Anybody who had the a demon of this snake, when they spoke under the influence of this snake or this demon, didn't just speak like you and I speak. They called them belly speakers because the sound was like it came from deep within. So this Girl, also called the damsel in, son of, in some of the Bible's uh, language, was probably just a young girl that was being used, but the demon in her spoke through her. And it was probably a very deep, gruff, rough voice that got people's attention and probably shook them to the very core. The second part of verse 18 says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. That very hour means right away. It didn't take an hour for God to work. It happened immediately. But why did Paul wait? Well, one of the things is, God through His Holy Spirit works in His own timing. Paul was annoyed but he finally got the word from God, okay, now's the time. Why did God wait for a few days? I think just one time that that demon spoke would have been enough, but yet days. 
God had his reasons. But when Paul was led by the Spirit, he told the demon to come out, and he did. And that is an example for you and me. I remember I was in my basement with a friend and my wife, and he was heavily into drugs and drinking. And we were having a good conversation, and all of a sudden, like a light switch went on, he started speaking like bad things against God. And I remember saying to him, I don't know who you are, but in the name of Jesus, knock it off. And the kid, the young guy, about 35, 40, just went back to normal. And that was right in my house. The principalities and powers that are out there are real. And we can't take them lightly. The Holy Spirit wants us to stay on course. The other spirits want to take us off course. Also, Paul shows here he doesn't want his ministry for God to be advertised by someone or something that's demonic. He didn't want to give any uh, credence or credit to something that was evil. Even though the demon was actually saying that this was the way of salvation. How many times does the church try to take on the world's way to get people's attention to try to tell them about Jesus. We here are very, very careful not to do that. Not to use the way of the world to bring people into the kingdom. The Word of God will do that. The Holy Spirit will lead people into the kingdom. Amen? So important. And Satan will use music, movies, um, anything he can to get people Christians off course. Let's continue into verse 19. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. So the marketplace was like in the center of the town. It's where all the uh, business was being done. So they brought Paul and Silas into the center of town. Now, before we continue, remember, Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. This is important as the story unfolds because they are in a Roman colony up in the map. That's a Roman colony. So even though it's out of Italy, that's where, I think if you were here last time, the Roman soldiers retired to. And even when we see the magistrates later, these were Roman magistrates, guys who have had the experience that, that were in the council in the town. So these guys saw their money was being impacted, so they remember when everything was going on before, they didn't say anything about Paul and Silas. It's when their business was impacted that they made a ruckus. And in verse 20, and they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men... Being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. Notice they pointed out them being Jews because 
all of Rome was being, all the Jews were being driven out of Rome. This was a Roman colony. They didn't want any Jews here either. And that anti-Semitic thought hasn't changed much in our country or the world, has it? We see that the Jewish people are still being isolated and uh, pointed out. And they're saying they're troubling our city. And they go in verse 21 and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. So they're using all the key words, Jews, Romans, our culture, trying to get people angry and upset with these guys. And then in verse 22, then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. If you could put up the uh, prison picture, please. Now, this is believed to be either the prison in Philippi or a type of the prison in Philippi that Paul and Silas were put into. And if you notice, it's built on the side of a hill. And with the study, there's a few layers of the prison where they put the prisoners. The first type of cells are right out in here where there's still sunlight and fresh air. Then if you go back a little bit, there's a still fresh air and some sun, sunlight. But then there's a deeper part of the prison, okay, almost like a dungeon that's totally dark, no fresh air, no light. And I want to sort of paint a picture as we talk about what Paul and Silas are about to face. So these Roman magistrates, when they were in town, they would have servants, and the servants would be wheeling um, like a carriage, and in the carriage there were rods, wooden sticks, and there, was all, and there would be 12 of them. And in the middle of the wooden sticks would be an axe. And they were the law. If the magistrates found it necessary, they could beat a person. They could decapitate a person. It was justice on wheels <laughs> as they went through the streets. And you can imagine in a Roman colony, the fear or severity or... Um, Maybe how good the law was, there was no crime because it was going to uh, be dealt with quickly and swiftly. And you know, there's been no place like Rome as far as its government ever since Rome dissolved. But it's interesting in the scriptures that one day the Roman government will be revived. The Antichrist will come out of a revived Roman Empire. 
So even though there's been governments that have been strict and dictatorship and socialist, whatever, we haven't seen anything like Rome, the old days of Rome. But it's coming. That's something that God has told us will be in the future. So Paul and Silas are now going to be beaten by these rods. And you see pictures sometimes and you see like uh, red lines on the back of these guys. Well, Paul in his epistle says that he was beaten three times by the rods. When they beat you with rods, the skin is ripped off. It's hanging. They beat them and it was one of those things like the old movies, the thumbs up, thumbs down, do more, do less. The crowd was in a frenzy. They didn't like these guys being here. There was a mob mentality. The two guys that were, uh, had the girl with the demon possession were stirring up the crowd. They're Jews. They're against our Roman culture. Yeah, yeah, beat them more, beat them more. And they would beat them more. When they finally stopped, they were put in the most secure part of the prison. No fresh air, no light. Notice at the end of verse 24, and, and fasten their feet in the stocks. Now if you picture stocks, you know, um, when I was studying, they said it was almost like two combs, the combs with the teeth of the combs. And they would open the stock and they would put them in and then they would close it, their feet. But after they spread eagle, they would spread their legs as far as they could and clamp down the stocks. Now they could lay down, but remember their backs are totally open, totally wounded. Flesh is hanging. And these aren't nice jail cells. This is dirt. People have been in there before, have gone to the bathroom. It smells. There's probably insects, flies, everything. And here is Paul and Silas sitting up, spread eagle, in pain. And Silas, remember, is a prophet. We saw that in the previous chapters. And I wonder if he turned to Paul and said, Paul, do you really have that vision of that man in Macedonia? You sure we were supposed to come this way? Because notice how things happened. Things seem to be going real good with Lydia and the, and the prayer and the worship at the river. Seem to go pretty good with casting out the demon. But now we're seeing something else happen. We're seeing they're being persecuted. We're seeing they're being beaten. And you might be here tonight or you might be listening online and you might be feeling beaten up or beaten down by circumstances that are going on in your life. You might be feel like you're chained, like there's no freedom, like you're stuck in a rut. You might feel like you're in that prison. There's no light, there's no way out. Verse 25. <clears throat> but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying 
and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. At midnight, darkest time, nobody around, but we do see now there are prisoners in different layers of the cells. Maybe some even with Paul and Silas in the dungeon. And notice what Paul and Silas do. They start praying and singing. If you or I were with Paul, taking the place of Silas, what do you think? You think Paul would be singing solo? Right? How many times have we been in situations, boy, I don't feel like talking to God or singing a song, but yet we see here that's just what they do. They start talking to God and they start singing. You know, you and I are a threat to the enemy. We're a threat to the demonic forces. When you follow Jesus and are in tune with His Holy Spirit, the enemy wants to come in and deceive you and distract you and get you off of God's track because he knows that you are influencing someone. And sometimes the people that you and I influence, we don't even know are there. Like these prisoners. But someone is watching. In 1 Peter 4.12, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, He is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin with the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. The message... Tonight, the title of the message is Tea Bags. You don't know the flavor of your tea till you put it in the hot water. And the longer it's in the hot water, the better the flavor is. You and I are God's tea bags. When we're in hot water, when we're in circumstances that we never expected to be in, 
Our love of Christ, our heart, where we are, is revealed by how we deal with those circumstances. And you might be in a circumstance right now, and boy, you see God's hand in it, you see how you're changing in your outlook of it, you might be drawing and praying more and worshiping more. But you know what? There's always another level, isn't there, of that um, test is if something comes all of a sudden, it's another thing on top of what you've already, already have been dealing with. And then you say, oh man, what's going on here? And at that point, how do you and I react? Where are we? When Jesus says he's the author and perfecter of our faith, I think it's very important to understand that as we are sitting with our Lord, that as we are spending time with Him in His Word, speaking to Him, singing songs of praise, our spiritual strength and endurance and perseverance are growing more and more. So something that you're dealing with now, if you did it 10 years ago, you'd be a, a wreck. God knows. He knows our future. Now, our glory will be seen one day when we see Him face to face. And part of that glory is when we see each other in heaven one day, face to face, or going up in the air together, seeing each other. But until then, we're walking through this life that's sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes very difficult, sometimes tremendously joyful. And God is always working on us to bring about His Spirit in us. And the more we let go, the more God's Holy Spirit is just coming through. In Matthew 5, 10 to 12, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Pastor Joe mentioned this Sunday with our buddy Joel Osteen. You're not going to hear these kind of messages about getting your back beaten down there. Because it's not real. The Bible shows us from Genesis to Revelation the reality of sometimes we have to go through difficulty and sometimes persecution. Continuing in Matthew 5, verse 11, it says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you, and they're persecuting Paul and Silas here. And we see that through this persecution, what is going on inside Paul and Silas? These unexpected trials that they're going through shows the real foundation of their faith. It's not shallow. They're, they're praising God. They're talking to God. And boy, what an impact that has had for you and me. For the prisoners that are in the prison with Paul and Silas. Remember the Holy Spirit shut off them from going up to Asia, the northern Asia there, and all the way down near the sea. The Holy Spirit said, no, don't go there. 
They didn't understand why. But guess what? They're finding out now. They found out that a young girl was free from a demonic spirit. Praise God. They found out Lydia and a home church was being developed and that church was going to go throughout all of Europe and over to the United States. Praise God. Because God knows where to send us, right? He knows where to put us, who to put us in contact with, whether it be one person or a thousand persons. He knows. And then we see in verse 25, along with that midnight singing hymns, verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone else's chains were loosed. An earthquake. There was a shaking going on. A whole lot of shaking going on. And it loosened the chains on Paul and Silas. You know, sometimes the very things that you and I go through shakes us, right? It shakes us. But we find out that our walk with the Lord becomes deeper and we're not shackled to that anymore. They said a person was a worry wart. And every Wednesday, he would put all his worries, he would write them down for the week and put them in the Wednesday worry box. And the next week, he would go to that worry box and look at all the things he had put in there that he worried about. And he found out there was probably only one or two of them that was really any concern. The other eight or ten never even came to fruition. And the Bible says to worry about today. It has enough worry. If we worry about tomorrow, you know what? It, it zaps our strength to take care of the things that we're going through today, doesn't it? Tomorrow, tomorrow may never be here. So the doors are open in this prison. And everyone's chains were loose. All the prisoners that were listening to Paul and Silas, their chains were loosed. Verse 27, And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Because see, as a, um, a guard, he was under the command, if anybody gets away, you're going to take their punishment, even if it led to your death. So this guy was facing beatings, torture, and probably eventually death because the prisoners were let out. So just like the girl who had the demonic spirit, this man was chained. He was under the influence of the Roman government. Paul and Silas, though prisoners, were free. The jailer, the handlers of the demonic girl, they were chained. They were slaves to sin. Not Paul and Silas. Even though they were in physical chains, they were free. Free enough to sing. Free enough to praise God. Free enough to talk to God. Free enough to have an influence on people who do not yet know Jesus.
Isaiah 54.17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. The deeper you are in love with Jesus and the deeper you are in ministry, the fuller glory and the tightness you feel with your Savior. The deeper you go with Jesus in your love of Him and ministering to others, the tighter you are with Jesus. And Paul and Silas knew this, were experiencing it once again. And remember, when Paul was called on the road to Damascus, Jesus told him, you will suffer for me. But many, nation, many people and nations will come to know me as a result. So in verse 27... He's ready to kill himself, the jailer. But Paul called with a loud voice in verse 28, saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved. You see, through what Paul and Silas went through with the beatings, the being chained, being in that mob mentality, being dragged through the city, being thrown into the deepest, darkest part of the prison, all resulted in God being glorified and a suicidal man coming to know Him as their Lord and Savior. And it didn't just stop there. But before we finish tonight, remember where they were in that prison. The jailer took a light and ran in there. He probably didn't go in there that often because of the stench. Because of the dampness. Yet he not only went in there with the light, he kneels down. It wasn't on a kneeler. It wasn't on a cushioned floor. It was on a floor that was a mess. That stunk. But you see, his spirit was so ignited that he forgot about the physical and got in touch with the spiritual. He kneeled. And he said, what must I do to be saved. And in verse 31, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And it's very important to say this. Just because the jailer was saved didn't mean it just spread throughout his whole house. That's not what this means. What it means is that if the whole household believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, every individual in that house they would be saved. And that's what did take place. Salvation came to the jailer in his house this night. All because Paul 
listened to the lead of the Holy Spirit and took that 150-mile boat ride from Troas to Macedonia to go to Philippi, which was a pagan, pagan, pagan area. They didn't know about the God of the Jews. But yet, they're finding out about this God. Verse 32, Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. So we see that the family received the Lord. They, become, they were baptized by Paul and Silas. And notice what the jailer and his family did. They cleaned the wounds of Silas and Paul. And that's what servants do. They clean up other people that are hurting. They're not self-absorbed. They're others-absorbed. They're other-centered, not self-centered. And it's a blessing, I know, to the pastors here to know that so many of you are other-centered. We see it in your action, not in your words, but in your action. And we praise God for you. In the final verse, verse 34, Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. In the message tonight, you see that Others came to God as a result of Paul and Silas's ministry, but it also brought Paul and Silas deeper in their devotion and love and walk with God. And remember what Paul said. He was beaten like this three times. He was whipped five times. He was stoned. Right just in the, in the area in Lystra, he was stoned on his first missionary journey. He's back here again in the same area. In Isaiah 53, 4 to 6, chapter 53, 4 to 6, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs, which is our sickness, and carried away our sorrows, which are, is our pains, Yet we esteemed him, or reckoned him, stricken, smitten, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded. That word wounded means he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was bruised, which means crushed, for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, and that means the blows that actually cut in, they cut in the, the whipping that Jesus took. We're healed by his being whipped. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid or has caused to be laid on him the iniquity of his all. The iniquity is, is our perverted, crooked sin nature. That's our iniquity. That's who we are. That's not what we try to be or not be. That's who we are. And when we sin, we miss the mark. When we transgress, we don't cross that line. And we say, no, I'm crossing it. That's sin. That transgression is part of our iniquity. 
But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ that he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for you and for me for that iniquity, that, that who we are. That when we receive him, we're no longer those creatures. We're new creatures in Christ. The old is gone, the new is here. John Corson, a pastor out in California, said, beaten up or beaten down, rejoice either way because Satan has been beaten back through the beaten back of the Savior. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you just for your love for us and just continuing to train us up in the way we should go. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us, for our sins, Lord, and for making us new creatures in you. We know you're not through with us yet, Lord, but boy, we can't wait to see what's next, Father, because you hold the future. And we just pray right now, Lord, if there's anybody here or online that doesn't know you, that they can receive you as their Lord and Savior right now. You say in your word, today is a day of salvation. If anyone hears my voice, don't turn away and be hardened like they did in the rebellion. But just ask Jesus into your heart. So we're going to give you that opportunity to do that. So if there's anybody here or online, just repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I've strayed so far from you. Dear God, I just want to turn from my self-centered, self-willed life and follow you all the days of my life. Lord, I don't want to follow the spirit of the world. I want to follow your Holy Spirit that you promise will come within me as I accept you as Lord and Savior. So do that now, Jesus. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you said that prayer, congratulations. If you're here, come on up after service and we'll give you a Bible. And if you're online, just uh, call the number on your screen and we'll send out material to you. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.